you're infected with the Peloton, there's only one cure. Welcome to the Pelotonitis Podcast. Hello, Pelotonitis Podcast listeners. As promised, we are back. Amazing. <laughs> short of a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks in a row. You guys are super lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, my name is Anna. And I'm Jeff. And we are going to talk today about the first week, I guess, yeah. This is your rest day update. Yes, it will be your rest day update. Yeah, it's true. Um, yes, I. it has been a really exciting tour, I have to say. I'm, I'm really impressed. Uh, I just, I love this new, like we talked about last week, uh, it's, it's really shaping up to be really interesting the whole first week very kind of like what we talked about last year how they're kind of shaking up the format a little bit in terms of what kinds of stages they're putting in and how they're arranging them just but at least this year it didn't knock out all the top contenders in the first yes yes (laughs) this year the gamble paid off yes it's been good yeah last year well it was certainly Vincenzo Nibali's uh, favor (laughs) (laughs) But not in anybody else's. So, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, before we actually talk about the race, let's, we have just, um, I don't know, one one little news item to talk about. <laughs> and that is that Luca Paulini tested positive for cocaine. <laughs> what? What is going on? I yeah. don't know. I really, <laughs> when I saw that pop up, I just laughed and laughed. It just, I don't know why. It just kind of tickled me. I mean, not that I'm happy... Not that I think it's funny that he's taking cocaine. I'm just like, well, you know what? At least it isn't EPO or other banned substances. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I was like, and I think I even read a little a comment in one of the articles about it. And they were like, we didn't really understand. It's not like cocaine is an enhancement, <laughs> performance enhancing right, drug. Right. <laughs> it's going to calm him down after this stage. It's going to bring I- him down a little bit. Guess <laughs> it's not like like an amphetamine or anything. It's it's just yeah. So I don't know. He says he didn't do it. He released a statement, but I don't know. Someone, a big apology. Yeah. Yeah. People were even saying that it might have been left over from uh, like if he had taken it before hand, um, even before the oh. tour started, because it can it stays in your system a while. So presentation day party or something. <laughs> yeah, he's going down. The, now let's now look at what Tom Boone and Tom Boone had a big coke problem and he turned out okay. So hopefully Paulini can get the help he needs if it really is a problem. And and yeah, I made a bad joke because of his choice of words about absorbing the blow. Yeah, but, you were not the only person to make that joke. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't. <laughs> I, honestly, I didn't see others, but then somebody. Sorry, Jeff, you're not. Somebody that brought up that you know if he really has a problem, it's like, oh shit, okay, sorry, I I'm not making light it, of somebody's problem because because it is it's serious. So it is, yeah. but you wouldn't be the only one to make that joke, okay. and it is you just I, I have to I make like I said I just kind of have to laugh a little bit because I'm like you know what at least he's not <laughs> if someone's gonna get busted for drugs in the tour at least it's something like that and at least something. it's Luca Pellini come on. <laughs> Right. He was doping, just not beer doping. <laughs> just kidding. Now he wasn't doping at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, so now we got that out of the way. So what about 
sort of overall impressions what sort of overall impressions do we have so far this week before we gonna talk about the stage each stage sort of in detail um i don't know do you have any sort of general impressions or do you want me to start well like you you start off with i'm really impressed with how the course and the weather is playing out yes. it hasn't been completely sunny it's been a little bit of wet and miserable the course has been interesting um there's been some massive crashes, which are, yeah, we don't need to see that over and over again. So please take that off. <laughs> um, but crashes happen in the first week and they do shake up the race like it has this year. So it's not like it's this anomaly that's happening this year, but it, it, it does suck to see. You know, it, it's interesting because um, uh, da, 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 Rodriguez made a comment. I got... <laughs> So oh, ironic, yeah. since he won one of the stages, one of the classic style stages. He's like, I don't think these kinds of stages should be in the tour. You know, I think it should be. Let me see. Let me find the quote. Um, these yeah, types of stages. On, so that on was on Wee, He gets to the top, and it's like a sour grapes type statement. But he's well, the winner, so yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, okay, he can say that. Right. I was like, that was I. Pro you know what? The whole the interesting thing is, is that. He probably would have said that whether he won or lost. So, you know, it's probably. Like, well, at least even though he's saying it, that he wins, you know, he probably would have said the exact same thing if he had lost. So if he had lost, though, when he said it, people really would have been like, oh, he's just a sore loser. <laughs> but, <laughs> right, right. But his point was that he, he said these types of stages might bring a bit of drama to the race, but it adds stress. It adds to the stress and the number of crashes that the riders must endure. In my opinion, the tour should be won by the strongest rider, not the rider has the best luck or the least amount of problems. And I don't know if he's ever watched the tour before or any GT, but I think having lady luck on your side is a huge part of winning the race. You know, whether so, or not you have... Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm thinking even if you have a whole first week just full of flat stages, there's still going to be crashes. Mm -hmm. It's But just, maybe... Maybe his point, I'm just devil's advocate here. Maybe mm -hmm. his point is about GC contenders being up in the mix of a dramatic finish. And I'm um, just right now thinking back to before the three kilometer rule. Mm -hmm. That was the main contention of the sprinters. It's like, we want to do our sprint. We've got these GC guys up here trying to not lose any gaps and they're screwing things up. And maybe that's his thing with the classics type days of get these guys out of here because they don't belong. So, well, that's interesting because in watching that stage, I mean, I look at the guys that were fought. Like, I mean, the guy who came in second to him, Froome. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at the <laughs> when you look at the stage, it's like, um, what's that one? How do you say it? Alexis? Viermos. Viermos. That's how I'm saying it. Sounds good. But then it is Dan Martin, <laughs> Galopin. I guess Dan Martin is a classics writer. Gallop. I don't know. Is he? A little mix of both. Okay. Van Garderen. Yeah. Nibali. I no. mean, on in the world, I would say Galapan's a classics guy, but in the tour, he's Lotto's GC guy. Right, kinda. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a bit of, you know, I guess it is a bit of a mix. I think Froome was maybe the only pure non-classics rider that was really right behind him. And the other guys are Nibali. up there. Right. I mean, on that climb, they're in the little small group that gets away. Right. So, I don't know. Going oh up gosh. a hill, it's not as 
crucial, critical. Kit. Kit is um, sleep barking. and She's sleeping in her room. She's sleep barking. <laughs> and it's so adorable. I would love to. But I guess, you know, after uh, stage eight, Dan Martin mm-hmm. could say the same thing because he kind of got boxed in by all those guys. Yes. Well, my impression push. was that he got boxed in by his own people. <laughs> that was sort of my impression of the statements he was making was that he was kind of kind of, well maybe it was a bit of both like he was kind of up against the barriers but he had all his guys in front of him so once his guys moved over then that that's when he was just gonna go but then by the time but then he saw that uh was it Stebar um had already gone was that that stage that was Viermos no. uh, had already gone yesterday oh so that yeah 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 Viermos sorry had already gone right so that was a uh yeah that was kind of my impression says martin was waiting behind i had in my notes let me look at the article real quick okay so i thought it was a little different situation where so we love the crazy move right it's risky sometimes it pays off sometimes it fails miserably Mm -hmm. and i think he was racing smart viermos was making the crazy move and he's sitting with the main guys that he thinks are gonna take off so that he can come around them so, well, I mean, he was doing kind of the, what I would say would be the smart thing to do and just got caught by surprise by somebody that made the crazy move. That could be true, too. He but said, he did get a little boxed in. I mean, he he was against the wrong side. So. so his quote says here, I was absolutely cruising the whole way up the climb, just looking for the moment they, they move left, they being, I think, his team. When they did okay. move left, I went and it was just too late. I saw Viramos go, and that was exactly the moment, the right thing to do, and I just couldn't get out. So maybe yeah. it was that he saw Viramos go. It was like, I've got to go. i got to go. But by the time his people <laughs> There's moved nowhere over, to go. No, yeah, he couldn't get out. So, But, I mean, he was with Froome and Quintana, and Nibali was right dropping off the back at that point. Yeah. Um, I just, so I guess, yeah, he, he could probably say the same thing, that... that uh, Rodriguez is saying. Yeah, that's true. Because if he had, you know, there's other people kind of in his way and all of a sudden. But I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, to me, I I think the sign, I think someone who wins a GT should be someone who's like sort of the best, not the best at everything, but is the most able to adapt to all sorts of types of racing situations. So he's not only just a climber, only just a TT specialist. He can kind of do a little bit of everything. He can do... You know, he can keep up on the flats. He can manage, you know, some crazy, like, classics types of finishes. Uh, he can do time trials. You know, he doesn't... I don't think he necessarily has to be the best at every single one of them. Those areas, he just has to be the most consistent. Right. And that was kind of Bob Roll's point, is bring in yeah. the variety. Bring in the... The different mix of stages, right? Which and I think it's so silly to say, oh, it increases crashes because I'm just like, like you said, maybe it's because you know, oh, GC or contenders are up there when maybe they wouldn't be otherwise. But I don't know. I just that's just so stupid because there's always <laughs> always going to be crashes no matter what type of you know finishes you have, and you right. can't have just. I mean, okay, maybe the only places where crashes crashes aren't going to happen is on climbs, but you can't have a tour made up of just of climbs, you know. So, that's true. anyway, 
So yeah, anyway. as Bob Roll was making that point, I thought, okay, bring in my BMX stage and my velodrome <laughs> stage. I want, I want more, more, more variety. Track? We're gonna bring in a track stage. Do a uh, yeah. I'm gonna keep pushing that until yeah. I think nobody so. listens until anymore. it's like cycle cross stage. <laughs> so it's like all the stages. You bet. I like that. I like the all the overall. Yeah, yeah. I like actually. I like this idea. Sort of putting all hey, every we could single pitch that type to of the bike. New, the new league and schedule debate talk. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's... Grand tours are just too boring because they only focus on <laughs> one type of bike racing. What about cross? What about you know BMX? Mountain or we biking? could mix that into the worlds. Make the worlds oh, like yeah. a week long mix because you say you know like <laughs> a one day race shouldn't determine who the best overall yeah, guy is. Yeah, that's yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Oh my god, it could be like a stage, like have one day of each type. You know, one day of like a mountain stage, one day of a time trial, one day of a road race, like a sprint, and then whoever has the most points at the end of that would win. I think we're on to something. Yeah, <laughs> that to me would be a much better type of world champion than just winning, I agree. being lucky enough to win one race. <laughs> okay. Earn those Moving rainbow on. stripes, damn it. What? Earn those rainbow stripes. Exactly. It's too easy now. It's much too easy. You just got to get lucky one day. Just one day. I Right. Yeah. You should be get lucky at least two days or three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to um, riders, personally myself. Kristoff, I keep his name always comes up a lot in, you know, the sprints in terms of like, oh, who's out there at the final? Kristoff. But he just can't quite make it, you know, to get to the line. I, I was watching at least a couple, at least two sprint stages, and they were like, you know, he was right up there and then all of a sudden he's not you know so but when you're know. up against Greipel and Cavendish oh for sure yeah but he's not even like those guys he's not even you know counting into the top 10 of the stages right, right. <laughs> that'd be like he's there oh here he is he was state five he was fifth on stage seven the one that Cav won okay so and Tyler oh, yeah, Farrow he's trying, but he's not really not having the, the race that he'd hoped for. Right, exactly. No, I don't think so. But like you said, oh, God. Normally, I'm like sort of like sprints, whatever. But it's been so freaking amazing, like watching Greipel and Cav <laughs> and Sagan go head to head. Like, and Dagan Cole, like this is literally the first time I think we've ever seen that. You know, right. all three of these guys going head to head. And it's just... And we've had crashes during the stages, but crashes in the sprints. I mean, the sprints have been clean drag races, I think. Very true. Yes. Nobody's nobody's been racing dirty. It seems like everybody's taking it to the line and just it's timing of when you jump. Right. And none of the sprinters who are winning are winning because there was a crash behind them and someone got held up. Right. You know, it's just because they... Yeah. God, it's just been so amazing to sort of like see like a dream come true <laughs> in the sprinting world <laughs> so you were talking about riders that impress and yeah and for that on that note i would say Sagan has been super fast i mean as oh yes what i would say not a pure sprinter but he is almost coming around gripple like he hasn't won yet but i he is there's at least two stages where i saw him just be like 
what the fuck? Like, he almost just, just won. Yeah. Um, Coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Stage two, he just came out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, he's there. And, you know, he was just like, a, you know, half of a wheel away from winning. Mm-hmm. When he wasn't even there, you know, all of a sudden he was there and then he's not there. Right. There was another one, too. What was the other well, one? Well, stage two. Okay. Sorry. I'm not. That's fine. Correcting. But that one, he was pretty much set on Gripel's wheel. I think the one you're talking about was stage five, where Cavendish looked like his timing was better. Oh, yes. 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 That one. Yep. And Gripel came up, you know, slowly and overtook him. But then yeah. all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Sagan's like flying right up there next to him. Yeah. Yes. That one. That You're right. That is the one where it was just kind of. The first one, it was all three of them. They were kind of together. But yeah. the fifth stage, the, he came from I had to play that back. back like 20 times. So it was just blowing me away. Like the he's speed there that and guy then had. He's not. Or he wasn't there and then he's yeah. there. Ooh, yeah, that was pretty, uh, it was pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, Sagan's been good in terms of being really consistent. Um... Kwiatkowski isn't someone who's actually not been very impressive. Uh, he's always kind of up there, but he just doesn't quite seem to have the legs to finish it, you know? Yeah. And I think this year he's, you know, as uh, everybody's still in it, I think he's just looking at himself as a worker bee, you know, early on to, to take Tony Martin yeah. or to help Cav or to, yeah. That's true. Or last That's year true. when Cav was out the first day, I think he had a lot more opportunities and we saw a lot out of him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe... I can't tell if it's just because he's kind of in that sort of help review mentality or because he really just doesn't quite have it. Well, in some of his interviews, he's kind of said that. that he's oh, not okay, okay. On top of his game right now, but hoping, yeah. you know, hoping to get better. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah. Um... So what about best stages so far? What do you what what stages were wow, most interesting to you? That's a hard one because I think they've all been surprisingly good, and I know that's the weak answer, but I, I don't know if I could pick. <laughs> yeah, one. that's. I would say stage three that Mur- um, Hui Murder Hui mm-hmm. was probably the most intense finish one for me. That one, even like that Murder Hui Murder Hui and. Um, I think Murder Britannia. Britannia as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, just because, just kind of, it was so reminiscent of um, that one that Stebar. What was the one day race that Stebar won? Was that like maybe oh, it was Strada Bianchi? Could where be. it was him and Valverde <laughs> and one other person, and they were just kind of together, and then all of a sudden Stebar was like, "Bye bye." Yeah. I... Oh, anyway, it just seemed very. <laughs> It we'll was seemed, it was very impressive to me that that stage just kind of how dominating Rodriguez was and how a lot of the other and oh man they had like one shot while they're going up the hill and I was like holy shit that angle is ridiculous <laughs> like sometimes you don't really get a sense of the angle because you're always looking down like from the top like you know in front of them oh but yeah this was yeah. this was one from the side like a rare one from the side so you could really see like how steep 
the gradient was and I, it was just it just blew me away how steep it was i was like what and it oh, just man. goes on forever i mean it does <laughs> it's yeah i think it's almost worse than the um murder britannia because it seemed i think it looked a lot longer right but i don't really yeah know in the past i thought once they make that kind of left turn I thought mm-hmm. it kind of leveled out, but like you're saying, this year with the angle of the cameras, you can see how steep that last drag is, and it just yes. keeps going. Yeah, that's brutal. Well, the, I think the Murder Britannia does flatten out a little bit. Once you get past to a certain point, it right. does flatten right. out that just one a does. little bit. And that's why, it, you know, Tony Martin was so close to catching, um, gosh, what's his name? Vermulus? Viermos. Dan Martin. <laughs> Dan Martin. Dan Martin. Wait, what What did I say? Tony. Oh, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Dan Martin was your so Martins. close. Mixing up your Martins. <laughs> Mixing up my Martins. Um, so anyway, yes, those are two very exciting. Uh, to me, anyway, they were. Also, also, um, today's team time trial was pretty intense as well. Because but Sky you hate Order time trials. Was- I do. I I literally only watched like three minutes of it, and that was when Sky was coming into the line, and I saw that they were so close to like not to. I was like, it was, there was one second. They lost one second. They were one second behind BMC, so BMC right. just barely won. And I was just like, come on! It was just excruciating just watching those seconds like count up. I'm like, please, please don't beat BMC. <laughs> that was probably the most stressful race I've watched so far. I think. No, my wife loves the precision of the team time trial so that's like her favorite thing yeah i don't Um, dislike watching it it's just a little bit boring because you're just watching these guys like right i don't know see my sport in high school was cross country and what i liked about it was you know the winners get all the glory yeah but what really matters is that fifth and sixth guy where they place and guess who was that fifth and sixth guy (laughs) <laughs> why Why does that matter? It was why usually it... me. Well, you're scored on all five guys that come across first. Oh, I see. And where they place. Mm, so where yeah. that fifth guy places could either lose it for you or win it for you. So yeah. when you're a sucky runner like me, all of a sudden all the pressure's on and it's kind of way more exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. That's true. So when I watch <laughs> the team time trials, I kind of, that's what I, is in my head of, you know, it's not just the top guys this time. It's everybody across the line. So Yeah. Well, and that's what they were talking a little bit, like, on the commentary. It was um, Nicholas Roach was really, really struggling that last bit. Um, and Froome kept looking back, like, you know, getting – and he could see that he was kind of struggling. So he kind <laughs> of went back a couple of times. He had to slow down first, and he had to get um, that uh, – he went back and was like, get on my wheel. You could see him kind of like, you know, get on my wheel. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah. poor Nicholas. looks terrible. So do they get a time bonus for this stage or no? Do I know? don't think so. Okay, that's too bad. Because <laughs> if they did, that would be really great for what's his fit, for TJ because he could get a good time bonus. Right. No, I guess, yeah, uh-huh. no, looking at the standings, they, they can't because if they did. Yeah, that's true. That, that would, would have changed things of, up. Yeah. I guess it's not quite the same time. All right. Uh, let's talk about the stages real quick. Okay. We're not going to beat him to death, you know. Just talk about the interesting <laughs> ones. So stage one, time trial. Ron Dennis won. Uh, 
um, have 15 minutes, basically. <laughs> yeah. So we figured that out, how long it takes to race a, what was it, 13K time trial. Yeah, well, they, that's they only if you're going 55K, if only if you're going 55K an hour. I, I guess mean, that's true. <laughs> I could never do that many Ks in 15 minutes. Because <laughs> I certainly can't average 55 kilometers an hour. <laughs> no, let's just double that and we'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. It's like maybe half an hour. <laughs> uh, Right. Also, I'm just Come really, on, that's really still glad a 26 they... average. Yeah. Still, I couldn't do that. I guess 26K average. Never mind. I will say, like I said before, I'm really glad it wasn't a team time trial. Because <laughs> that makes it a little less interesting. When it's team. When it's so early. Uh, Let's see. Okay, stage two. <laughs> we mentioned time trial and Anna fell asleep. So stage two, all eyes were on Cav because this was his moment of redemption for crashing out early last year. Oh, crap. Sorry, I just saw a really funny Instagram that caught oh. my surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so we have like Why? a little arts district here. Yeah. And called the Tower District. And there's a lot of murals and stuff like that. And so somebody tweeted, the murals in the Tower District are absolutely brilliant. Such powerful masterpieces from true artists. And then the, the photo that was attached is a big boner on a wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. Oh, that's funny. Got me. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Um, all right, stage stage two. All right, that's all we have to say about stage one. Stage two. Um, yeah, the weather was pretty gross, uh, and it was windy. So this was quite unfortunate. Um, there were just a couple of splits, like not a lot, but enough that it caught out Nibali and Quintana. I thought I read something somewhere. They were just like, we thought we were fine, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, shit, we're in the second group, and we're <laughs> fucked. Um oopsie but oopsie but Froome and Conchador and TJ were all in the first group so they got super lucky but I was like oh god that's really not a good start to the week <laughs> in my opinion for Nibali no so this yeah so this was Greipel this was one was this one where the everyone kind of finished yeah so it was like Greipel and Sagan and Cancellara and Cavendish were all just like ugh I think Edix Quickstep just got a little overexcited and just burned all their engines in the last 3K. Yeah. And Renshaw just blew up and had to leave Cav out with 400 to go. <laughs> oh, so then Cav's like, well, I guess I'm going. That's a Sagan sprint. And when he's sitting third wheel, like there's no way you're going to pull him 400 meters. Right. No. Uh-uh. Yeah, that was... Uh... That was a that was sort of our first taste of, you know. I guess they could be the Fab Four of this of the sprinting world. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But at least you know, he didn't get super pissed about it. Cav was actually kind of kept his sense of humor and said, "Yeah, they should hire me as a lead out guy." <laughs> I did a great lead out for everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's like so, you're welcome, guys. Right. 
All right, stage two. The only thing, yeah, so stage th two done. Uh, stage three is Murdahui. We talked a little bit about this already, but like just watching. What race is this? Well, what race is Murdahui usually? Flanders. In? Do you remember? Huh? Isn't it Flanders? The finish of Flanders? That makes sense. Yes, Flanders, so. that sounds about. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing we didn't talk about yet, this is oh. the monster crash day. That we Which get to one? see Three? replayed in our heads and on our TVs over and over and over again. Wait, stage three? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, so besides um that amazing, awesome finish, uh, there was also <laughs> a pretty terrible crash. Um, yeah. The, and it kind of brought up the debate of whether neutralize or not neutralize. Yeah, when do you, when do you neutralize, when do you not? The only, I got to say, the thing that really irritates me about like neutralizations all that stuff is that there doesn't seem to be any consistency and i think that's what drives me and everybody else nuts it, it just seems, seems like that have... way and you have to think that they go over every kind of contingency and kind of have a plan for it I but then when it happens in front of you and you have to make that call in that split second that's where it seems like there's no organization because they're yeah. trying to decide okay is this that case or should we wait five seconds or should we and it's got to be the hardest spot to be in. I know. And then I after just, the fact, my, everybody my makes is, sense. Go ahead. Well, my question is, is the commissaires, are they, mm -hmm. do they have consistent commissaires for each race or are, are there different people that do it? Because I would feel like if you are a commissaire and you had a lot of experience sort of with races and maybe situations like this, you would be better equipped to make a split second decision because like oh this has happened in the past and this is what we did now let's go to it, our knowledgeable uci correspondent wait, <laughs> oh, wait <laughs> we no. don't have one <laughs> well here's and the other thing is i think you are right it's hard to get all the information all at once like you they do have kind of a short amount of time to make a big decision uh, I just, you know, things like how do you deal with train situations? Like if you come to train tracks, you yeah, know, I feel like yeah. every time it's a different decision being made. Um, I don't know. I mean, but then maybe the logic just, maybe that came out like, afterwards about, you know, not having enough ambulances and medic, yeah. you know, with the front group and all being at the back group, that it does make sense. And you could think, okay, if they had the contingency where that happened, we got to stop things. Then it's not, oh, the yellow jersey's held up. We better slow everybody down so he can get back in. Because that's what right. it looks like at first, and that's what everybody reacts to. But thinking yeah. about it, it does make a little bit of sense. So, Yeah, I think initially it kind of looks like that. And then there's also things like maybe when the when does the race leader neutralize the race, and when is it the commissaire, and when do you wait for yellow jersey, when do you not, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. People just get so <laughs> bent out of shape. I guess maybe that's what... Maybe I'm changing my mind, and it's the fact that people want consistency, but it's impossible to have consistency because every single race is so different in terms of who the leader is and what they want to do and how do they want to handle the situation and whatnot. Yeah, every situation changes, so it's it's a tough spot. Yeah, so and maybe I think that's looking so maybe back, they made the right mind. call. So I would agree. Yes, I I do agree at the time, but I think everyone wants consistency. And so when it seems inconsistent, they, you know, they bitch and moan and, you know, throw a fit and they're like, oh, well, we didn't do it this way last time, blah, blah, blah. That's but, why we're watching. So we can bitch and moan. Right. Because every race purpose. is different. 
you know, so you can't say <laughs> it should be this way or should be that way. Anywho, uh, the other Tor thing. Tor should come to the front and just stop everything. How about that? Who? What? Tor Hushoff. Oh, jeez. Oh, wait. Except he's not there anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty bad. Like, that was... The worst was definitely... Uh, what's his name? Cancellara. Uh, because mm-hmm. he... Rebroke some of his back. That he broke earlier in the season. Simon Garens broke his wrist. I know. Uh, Michael Matthews broke some ribs. ribs. Yeah. I was watching one of those um, like uh, backstage pass, which, by the way, I watched one from Edix, one from BMC, and one from uh, Orca. And I'm I'm just exciting that more teams are doing it. But Orca's was by far the best one. Like it was clever and it was funny, and the team just seems really funny. Like the you know the G- um, DSs and everything. Um, BMC's was not very impressed. I was not impressed with BMC's. But <laughs> Edix was pretty good, too. I'm shocked that BMC's yeah. is I know. Well, they're usually really good at that stuff, Bill. I don't know. You know what's missing? <laughs> what? Is uh, uh, Tyler ta- Taylor Finney. I know. Yeah. That's true. If he well, was there, they even... would have a sense of humor. I think without him, they have no sense of humor. It wasn't even that. It was just that they didn't even put up, you know, who, which writer they were talking to. Oh. And I don't know, necessarily know all the writers by their face. Production you don't always... value. Yeah. Right. It was the production value was the least. And all they really had was just like interviews with the writers. Which but Orca's is been not... doing it the longest. So they, they've been doing it, it the best, I think. Yes, I would agree. They have the most experience. Anyway. I haven't caught this year, so I'll have to go back and check them out. Yeah. Well, actually, the whole point of my saying that was, was they asked... They were, they were on the bus and they were like, oh, we're going to, you know, do you need anything when we're out on the road? And Peter Weening asked for, he's like, oh, do you see some of those, um, do you have any of those, a Tour de France, he called them shorts, but he was talking about, like boxer shorts. Because <laughs> apparently there's like boxer shorts with Tour de France on them, <laughs> like the logos. Get me some he's of like, those. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you should get some for yourself. He was telling whoever was asking the question, you should get some for yourself. And the interviewer was like, well, no, maybe, maybe you want a pair too. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can get one for me too. <laughs> and then they asked Michael Matthews, do you want anything? He's like, well, if you've seen a spare pet or spare set of ribs anywhere, you know, bring them to me. <laughs> and they're like barbecue ribs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, rim shot. <laughs> that, that really wasn't that funny, but yeah. Right. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be making this podcast more interesting, uh, not just less interesting, <laughs> which I think I just did. Energy. <laughs> Energy. Uh, so outside of the big crash, I feel like um, Cancellara was probably the most involved in that one. Um, Rodriguez, Froome, like all them, they were all out of it. They weren't, luckily weren't part of it. But... Uh, man, that was just such a great finish. Like, Froome was really up there and just, like, really on Rodriguez's wheel, like, kind of following. He was sort of the main attacker behind Rodriguez. Right. Um, but he just didn't quite have the same amount of kick up the last incline as Rodriguez did. But it was very impressive. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, what's his name? Contador was really the only one who didn't really couldn't really stay up. Yeah, he got dropped off a tiny bit. Yeah, that's a little. Yeah, all eyes were on Dan Martin. Yep, he was great. He was right there. 
And I had to look back because they weren't covering his name, but Alex Villermos was in third. And I see this AG2R guy coming across like, who is that? And I'm I'm looking at going, this guy might be this year's uh, Bardet or, you know, the French surprise. I mean, he's not French, is he? Oh, I thought he was. Is he French? Well, I mean, he's on AG2R, which is a French team, but let's look. I just assumed he was Spanish with that name, honestly. <laughs> oh, wait. Let's see. Oh, here it is. is he... Oh, he is French. Never mind. There you go. See? You are right. <laughs> okay. Take that back. <laughs> so you're right. Maybe he really is like this year's Bardet. He's 28. So he's a little older than I thought. Yeah, he's I was going to say he's a little older. But, but still, you need one French breakout star. Yeah. What'd you say? He's 27. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, you need at least one French breakout star for every tour. So, looks like they got theirs this year. <laughs> yeah, he'll be exciting to watch. Yes, I think so. Because <clears throat> if it looks like he can climb, like, or if it, if he can climb, like it looks like he can climb. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this could be good. He was pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, on both of those, I mean, on both of the really, um, what's it called? Uh, classic style for both the Murs. Murder mm-hmm. Hui and Murder Britannia. He was, I mean, obviously he won Murder Britannia, but this one he was third. So there you go. Yeah. Um, let's see. Moving on. Stage, Stage four. four. French couples. So that was exciting because we had a little breakout. Uh, it was Tony Martin. Um, did his uh his little breakaway. He pulled a cancellera. <laughs> yeah. Three k to go and just dropped everybody. Yeah. So I'm taking well, that damn like, yellow jersey. And you're not going to stop me. It. No, nothing's going to stop him. Well, it was kind of like he was sort of in that last... He was in the sort of select front group um, at the very end. And he kind of just saw everyone else looking at each other. And he's like, I'm just going to go. Mm-hmm. So, and he just went. And he was able to... You know, it's one of those things kind of like... Kind of like Vermo. It's like what happened like on Murder Britannia. That sort of thing. You always maybe there's always a chance you're going to have that one guy who's going to try and make that, you know, push, and he makes it. You know, right, right. It's the risky move. Sometimes they succeed, sometimes they don't. Right, exactly. Sometimes they succeed and sometimes they don't. And when I watch that back, as they're coming to the finish and the gap's getting smaller, it almost seemed to me like Sagan was looking around, waiting to see who was going to pull him up. And it was a slight uphill drag, and it's like this is your kind of finish, Sagan. Come on. <laughs> and he's yeah. looking around. It's like, I think if he would have just gone for it, he might have caught him. But what? it's like he was worried that he was going to pull somebody, but he's not going to pull somebody up a hill like that. No, so I I didn't get That's that. Little... I was kind of disappointed. But Do you? Hmm. Were they I mean, like I was happy to see or anything? Tony take it, but oh yeah, for sure. Was there was Tony and Tony and what's his and Sagan? They were never like teammates or friends or anything. Were I they? don't think so. Okay, I thought I saw something along that lines, like oh Sagan like didn't pull because they were friends or they had been teammates or something like that. But I'm like maybe oh, I just wow. made that up. <laughs> Talk about opposite that personalities. Some... Yeah, <laughs> that's the spectrum <laughs> right there. From Tony Martin to Peter Sagan. Well, they say opposites attract. <laughs> so, maybe. True. Yeah, they could uh, be best buds. What? They could be best buds. Yeah. Drinking except buddies. I just don't 
they've never been like on they've never been on the same team together I not don't that think, i can so. think of but no no because he went from cannondale to saxo so yeah. he hasn't been on a lot of teams and tony martin wasn't on any either of those teams so anyway okay i must have just made that up <laughs> Um, in our world, <laughs> the best world, part though, of the podcast when we just make stuff up. <laughs> I know. In our world, Tony and Sagan are best buddies. <laughs> <laughs> in our ideal world, uh, that else? would be a fun sitcom. <laughs> There's the odd couple. Oh my god! Cycling. The Adventures of Sagan and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell yeah! I'd pay to watch that. Um. Let's see. Oh, another thing, another interesting part of that was um, <laughs> you have <laughs> Pino melts down and Martin does not when they have like mechanicals and race difficulties. Like, I don't know what was up with Pino, but it sounded like they had a mechanical kind of right around the same time. Um, but he, Pino was just bitching. He's like, oh, when your car is 13th in line, of course you're going to have to wait forever. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, who's someone offered him a, um, his bike? But he's like, I'm going to take his bike. He's so much taller than me. You know, when, and the article is like, they're really, they're like maybe an inch difference in height. But you never know. That could not, you know, maybe the site is lying or something. Drama. But, drama. Right. Drama. He was just being kind of a drama king about it. And, you know, whereas Martin was just like, all right, not only am I going to, who, whose bike did he take? He took somebody else's bike. Um, not only, it was somebody who was shorter, but had a higher seat position than him. Oh, boy. <laughs> so it's like, plus, he has his um See, that shifters. was planned out. It put him more arrow because he dropped <laughs> the bars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and his brakes were backwards. So, like, the front brake was on wait what size the front brake on usually the right side right yeah yeah so the front brake was on the left side and the right black brake was so it was opposite to what he his setup or something like that whatever it was, it was opposite so he yeah. had to like that is weird uh, why would they do that um someone said maybe because like if he's left or right-handed oh that's what bizarre to do with that i yeah. mean british motorcycles are set up backwards like that um yeah so, uh, maybe it's something like that that's weird well dan martin is irish so maybe it's something to do with that oh there you go so yeah backs on the um, right fronts on the left no i'm sorry this is tony martin does it's tony <laughs> but <laughs> i mean whoever he changed the bikes with might have been oh, oh oh right so let's see okay i'm looking at this article now pino i had a mechanical and then it went full gas it's a shame i could have received assistance from, from but from who Matthew Langunus, who is much taller than me. It's sure that when you have car number 13, you must expect to wait your car a long time. <laughs> Read it for dramatic impact. Come on, that's good. Yes. Thanks. That's kind of probably, that's imagine how I imagined he would have said it. <laughs> With a French uh, accent. And then, and then, and then Velonews, this is great. Velonews, I can't do French accent, sorry. Uh, Velonews says, the FDJ team website lists a Langanu at 1.81 meters tall and Pino as 1.8 meters tall. <laughs> although, team, although, team bi- although team bios are often inaccurate. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, back so, to back, boys. Let's get the ruler out. Oh, uh, unlike Pino, Martin didn't wait around for a team car when he punctured. At the same time Pino was struggling with his bike, the German quickly swapped bikes with his teammate, Matteo Trenton. 
who is three inches shorter than Martin, but according to Martin, runs a higher saddle position. <laughs> In addition to what it must, must have been an awkward fit, Martin also had to contend with Trenton's brake setup, which is the complete opposite of how Martin runs his brake. <laughs> huh. So would, he says... That would be a trick to jump on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he says... I took it, but the only problem was that his seat position is a few centimeters higher and his brakes opposite of mine. So I had to remember the brake the other way around. So I was not just focused on my legs. I was also focused on the brakes. <laughs> just don't use them. Right. And I was like, well, I guess when you're sprinting towards the finish, you don't need to worry about using your brakes, which is nice. Oh, boy. So, yeah, that was kind of exciting. Uh, well, not exciting, but that was just kind of an interesting look at like. Yeah. It seems, no, I hadn't heard know, that. Sometimes... I just saw a bunch of bike changes and wheel changes and. Yeah. All that going and, on. And, you know, sometimes I think when bad stuff happens, you either have a good attitude about it or you have a bad. And maybe if you're just having, like, a really bad day on the bike, like, it's easy to have just kind of a negative attitude. Oh, yeah. You got to cut else. these guys some slack. Just Exactly. I'm not saying, <laughs> oh, like, Pinot is the sno- snotty Frenchman and, you know. Yes, we are, but that's Martin. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I, I am not. Maybe you are. I am. You know, and I'm certainly not saying Martin is a sort of, like, just efficient German robot, you know, who doesn't care. It's just more like... Martin was just like, all right, let's just get back in it. And Pino, maybe he'd just been having a bad day already and was just feeling kind of irked. And, you know, sometimes you get up on the wrong side of the bed and then everything is just like, oh, the worst. <laughs> so maybe he just got up on the wrong side of the bed. We hope so. But Right. But it was funny uh, to kind of compare that afterwards. The other thing about the stage I thought was interesting is Nibali, oh, bless his heart. Bless his little heart. <laughs> he did try to attack on the cobbles more than once, but just... Unlike the previous year when he was like a machine on the cobbles and just dropped everybody like a stone, this year he just couldn't. Yeah, so. the temps were good to watch, but yeah, he just couldn't pull it yeah. off. I, I mean, maybe it's because the weather was nicer, so whereas maybe before, I mean, he's pretty fearless in bad weather, so maybe it was just sort of like, meh, whatever. And I thought the People. cobbles would just get added for a feature and then there'd be a long run to the finish, but they were actually pretty close to the finish, so I was kind of happy yeah. to see that they were they there were. to kind of make a, make a point and not just for dramatic impact oh yeah it was like a legit you know cobbled stage i think the first cobbles though weren't until maybe 50k left like they weren't all the way like from beginning to end like you know perry roubaix or something but there was still a fair amount of cobbles um so all right stage five stage five was another boring boring sprint finish boring boring the only thing that was interesting Greipel won again, but it was the same thing. This is, we had talked about this before, yeah, where like yeah. Sagan kind of came out of nowhere and just was like rocket launched almost. Yeah, Cav went too early. Uh, Greipel timed it perfectly, and then what's his face? Sagan came out of nowhere. So yeah, he was like 10th really back with 200 yeah. to go. Not even amazing. on the screen I... from the helicopter. It's like. No. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, you have all these guys. It's like Greipel, Sagan, Cavendish, you know, Dagen Kolb. Like, all the top sprinters are just right up there sprinting it out. Amazing. Yep. Thursday. Christoph took fourth. Yes. Bosenhagen was up there. And Dagen yeah, Kolb in sixth. So that's, yeah. Yes. Arno DeMar. Okay. He yeah. and, well, I guess I'll cut Buhani some slack, but... <laughs> You know, you're you're talking about Kristoff. It's like there's that whole second tier of sprinters that are just as impressive in all the different races yeah. through the year. And it's like, wow. It's just shows the two levels, I guess. I don't know. 
It really does. But also, I think it goes to show you that they're, yeah, they're just maybe not quite up there. But it's also really cool to see that there are, the sprinting field is so deep. Right, right. There are just so many. Because Degenkolb. Good sprinters. You know, takes it. Cocard could be up there anytime. Any of those Right. Guys. I'm just thinking, all of these guys have won sprints before. <laughs> exactly. Except Bosenhagen. Has Bosenhagen won sprints before? <laughs> <laughs> He's gotten second. As many times as Sagan has. Yeah, right? Yeah. But, you know, in general, I would say all these guys could easily win a sprint on their own. So. Uh, All right. Stage six. That was when Stebar won. It wasn't like. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like a mer or anything like that, but it was definitely a pretty nasty uphill finish. It was really interesting because I was watching like a little uh, clip on NBC and Todd Harris, who I don't even know who that is, but he was like, you know, Steve-R, he was kind of like, not someone you would have picked for today. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> uh, have you ever seen Steve-R? I mean, did you not see him win Strada Bianchi earlier this year where he attacked on an uphill finish and killed it? Like, and this a former exactly cross racer. And I just remember him going up all those classics climbs. Just Yes. So, like, this yeah. is exactly the type of stage you would expect <laughs> him to win. So, okay. <laughs> you sure it wasn't my favorite Steve Schlanger? <laughs> I think I, he's a, I think he's put in by NBC from the onion. I think they're playing uh, a joke on us. I swear it's a parody. <laughs> How could you ask the dumbest questions in the world? Really? I see I don't watch I don't I just watch on their app. I don't watch on TV, so I don't know. I don't oh, get his commentary. God, so bad. Is he worse than PMP cuz that's what I have to listen to all day? Uh absolutely worse than pmp really yes yes oh what kind of stuff is he asking well he'll go up to somebody lost and say oh why did you lose that were you not going fast enough i'm serious he asked that kind of question it's like (laughs) come on (laughs) and he it's it's almost comical to watch the writer's reactions whenever he asks a question because it's just you know, you ask an interview type question to draw out some kind of answer. Right. And all he gets are blank stares like the guys are just saying, what the hell did you just ask me? <laughs> like, did you seriously just ask me that? It's it's hilarious. And I think I oh just it has to be comical because he can't be serious. That or maybe he is. is... I... <laughs> I oh, I hope he's not. I almost oh, look man, forward to hilarious. it. Now. It used to irritate me, but now it's like. Ooh, okay. what sort of questions are you going to ask today? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now I kind of want to look and see if I can find some of his interviews online because now I, now I need Maybe, to Maybe. I don't know. You're like, don't put yourself through that. Uh, do, do, do. What else? Okay. Stebar. Right. I mean, it's the same, very similar to, I don't know. It felt a little bit like Charlotte Bianchi. He just kind of attacked on the climb and was able to get a gap and hold it. Um for some reason there was that was a stage where was that big crash yeah so the super impressive win by stebar but yeah the drama of the day was yeah tony and yellow so what are your thoughts on how that went down well it seemed from what i read martin and what i saw martin just touched the wheel of cocard in front of him it was a europe car i don't think it was cocard i don't know Uh, i'm not sure yeah, I think it was Cocard. Okay. Uh, but he was. It looked kind of like Cocard, kind of like, sort of moved over to the left, and 
Martin kind of like wavered over to the right and then there was just a little touch of the wheels. I don't I don't know if you can say like is it all Martin's fault? No, because I it looked to me that Kokar kind of moved really unexpectedly and quickly. I think they both so, did. So Yeah, yeah. So and I think I it was think just at the bunch as it bunched up at the bottom of that climb, I have a feeling that the guys in the front either were touching brake or slowing yeah. a little bit more than Martin expected at that moment. And if somebody slows in front of you and you can't judge for that super quick and you're already kind of motioning to the right and he's going to the left, yeah. it's just a, it's kind of a tragic but stupid, not mistake, but yeah, it just, yeah, I, I <laughs> would agree with you. That actually, now that you say that, that that does look like kind of what Cookhart happened. Like somebody kind of slowed in front of him. He's like, "Oh shit, I gotta like avoid them." So he yeah. moved over, and then and they're so packed tight together that yeah, there's just no so it was really kind of a and shouldn't laugh, but it was a kind of a funny domino to because you see Martin go over and he hits Bargill, and Bargill goes over and hits <laughs> it's uh <laughs> they like topple over into each other. So Bargill yeah, I hadn't thought of dominoes. It was more like a body slam of <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Because he luckily, was trying to keep I it think... up for so long that when he finally <laughs> went, it was like, wham, just right into it. Yes. Him. And then Nibali just missed. Um, I think Froome was just far enough away that he just kind of, he didn't really get touched. He got a little bump um, and kept it upright. Yeah. yeah. And TJ landed, luckily went over, he fell, but he landed on top of everybody else. So he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Vincenzo, for breaking my fall. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for breaking my fall, buddy. Sorry about your hip. <laughs> uh, so apparently, uh, what's his name? Nibali blamed, kind of thought Cav had caused, or not Cav, had thought Froome had caused the crash, so made some disparaging comments. And then afterwards, <laughs> was like, no, I did not. Don't yeah. say that. So, yeah, there was a bit of a... Uh, Froome went to their bus right went to his bus right afterwards just to sort of clear the air and be like listen buddy it wasn't me if you look at the tape which just seems so silly because like Nibali ran almost ran into Froome so I'm not sure how he thought Froome caused the crash and yeah after that happened I thought why would you think that when you got hit from the left but I think they were all so close together you probably couldn't tell which side they were impacting from I think he just felt like he got hit from both sides and blam went down that's very true. Uh, anyway, all right. So seven, another sprint. Uh, again, it's just another amazing sprint. But this time, <laughs> Cav comes out on top. Cav, Greipel, Sagan, Degenkolb, Christoph, Damar, Farah. Like that's your top seven. Like amazing. Tyler Farah was up in the top seven. Yes, uh-huh. he got seven. I didn't realize that. <laughs> that's great. I know. It's just like. <laughs> oh man, it's amazing just to see those sprint races have just been so on point, you know, just watching. Such a great finish. She was like a little tiny bit of an uphill, so it wasn't flat out. They had to work a little bit harder. Cav had had no lead out. Um, everybody was gone. He's by himself, so he's like, all right. Uh, so he was just on Kristoff's wheel. Uh, and he kind of, I read an art, that was the article I read, it was basically, he's like, I wanted to go, but I was like, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. You know, you can't go too early. Because I think that's what happened on the second stage, is he went too early. Yeah. So he's like, I'm not going to go too early. But then once he saw Greipel go, he's like, all right, now I can go. So once Greipel came around, then he's like, I'm off. So he came, and then Zion kind of, again, kind of comes out of nowhere. And then it's like, oh, there he is, you know. So, amazing. 
And it was just he was right. not in the best place to come around Kristoff. No, he was. He wasn't. I think on he the just wrong got side. Lucky. He just threaded that needle like he did. Uh, only he I, can. He was like, yes, I thought for sure he. It looked like he was going to run into Zagan. Well, I shouldn't I was say like, like only he can because usually he would just take out half of those guys. Right, right. He has no qualms <laughs> about that. But it was more just like I, he looked. He was so close to Zagan. I was like. It looked like there was a little wobble there, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And then they kept it together because those two together have great bite handling skills. Yeah, so that that's one of the other the things thing that's that impressed me this year is that Cav has not caused crashes. <laughs> no, which is good. Keep it up. Yeah, yeah, keep it up. But maybe that's what's right. maybe he's lost. A, you know, I'm not saying his edge, but a little bit uh, more sanity in his brain is just kind of yeah. taking that away from him. But you then know, to he's see a that now in that stage, it's like, no, he's still got it. <laughs> he got through that no, gap that didn't exist and that was he did yeah well and it was it was kind of like i think he saw grebel go by and he's like oh my god i have to go right now so he's like he just went you know he's like i'm yeah. gonna make it happen but you know he's a father now so maybe he's making more <laughs> rational choices uh all right so then stage eight mer de britannia we talked we already talked a little bit about this mm-hmm. earlier so we don't need to beat this one to death but um martin kind of got he tried oh man Cannondale tried so hard to get Martin and if you know if uh Viermez hadn't been there he probably would have gotten it so rough 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 yeah he was um Dan was pretty disappointed after that yeah but, he was you he banged the handlebars but I think oh, he was stop banging the handlebars <laughs> no he did no he did I bang know. the handlebars when he I'm came so out tired but I'm just of saying Dan Martin bang the handlebars that's all well, he did. But the nice thing about I am 100% in support of somebody being angry. If they're, like, disappointed or upset, they can bang the handlebars right after <laughs> the stage and be a little upset. Like, why not? But then the next day, that evening press conference, then they're like, yeah, yeah, I was upset. And I think it is okay to be upset that you lose. Sure. And okay that you timed it wrong. You know, it's just don't let it, like, don't take it out on other riders or, like, be crazy about it. Just sort of be like, God damn it, I wish I would have won. Right. You know, oh, if I only had time that just a little bit better. You know, it's, I don't know. Yeah. But in his interview, he was way more together. Yes. And, and, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. He, in the heat of the moment, he was really upset. But then, you know, once right. you're kind of cool down, he's like, okay, that's the reality. You can't change it. Sucks because we'd focused on that so much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I haven't really seen too many people focusing on it, but even when somebody does, I kind of like it when someone bangs on their handlebars. Cause oh, I meant, like, I meant that was kind of his comment that, you know, the team had focused on that stage oh, for him oh, right, so right, much right, right, that right. he just felt really... Because they did a ton of work Right. I mean, you can imagine he's probably not only disappointed for himself, but also just for the right. team. Like, God damn it, I let them in. down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the other sad part is Nibali fell back on the mirror. Mirror lost 10 seconds to Froome. But Froome came in second, so he's going to get those bonus points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So stage eight, we talked a little bit about that. Team time trial. BMC first, Sky second, Movie Star third, um, and that Movie Star coming in third, only jumped, four seconds back. Right. Well, and it yeah, and it jumped um, Quintana, Quintana yeah. from thirteenth to ninth. So he, that was so. I mean, they had a. I, I would say I don't I don't know where um, Nibali came in, but clearly, uh, Astana did not have a great time trial because. Um, He's still not even in the top 10. So, so last week we yeah. talked about, you know, who's TJ going to knock off the podium to get on mm-hmm. the podium. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of decisive <laughs> for Quintana to not 
get any time out of TJ, but to move up over Nibali. Well, he was pretty, yes. So I'd say Nibali's been knocked off. So as far as TJ hanging on to that spot, that was, it was a good stage for him. Huge stage. Very, very, very good stage for him. So happy for him. I'm so happy for them. I'm really, really excited. That makes him being up there makes up for the fact that Nibali is out. But TJ will break your heart in one day. One bad day is all it takes. <laughs> Don't do it, TJ. That's so true. Prove me wrong. I'm sorry. I just, I got to believe. I got to believe, okay? Don't, don't, don't take that away from me. <laughs> um, Greg Van Evermet is in second because probably his great, the time trial for BMC was great. Zagan is in fourth. Conchador is in fifth now. So he's only 103 behind. So that's great because the day before he was, let's see, he was seventh. Oh, wait, what is he now? Well, fifth. Oh, weird. So I think listening to Phil and Paul has uh, taught me one thing. (laughs) What? And I think we should make it official that every time we say Peter Sagan, we have to say the man that can do anything on a bike. It's like part of his name now. It just follows. Every time you say it, you have to say Peter Peter Sagan, the man, the man who can that do can anything. do anything on a bike. <laughs> That's like his middle name. Peter, the man who can do anything Sagan. <laughs> Wait, no. Peter, the man who can do anything on a bike Sagan. <laughs> yeah. Let's just make it official That's now. A, That's a bit of a mouthful, but I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oran Oran is in sixth. And I kept so highlighting that's... him through our notes just to point out that I picked him on my fantasy team as the outside you favorite. That did is awesome because nobody's mentioning him and he's just hanging in there at six. He and real, really, you consistent. are right. He's like, yeah, he's a dark horse. Exactly, dark the darkest horse of horses right that nobody's even the... talking about is the dark horse. <laughs> he's practically invisible. <laughs> it's the best kind. Yeah, the best kind of dark horse, the invisible horse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. His cloaking so that, is in effect. Yeah, that's good. Yes. He's got his invisibility cloak out and it's working. So, yeah, that wraps up tomorrow's, you know, got our first rest stage. Um, I would say it's been a really impressive uh, a week so far. I'm really excited to see what the mountains bring because that's when you kind of have to start having your big guns go out. So then we'll see what's really going on. Are you keeping up with the fantasy? Um, I am not. <laughs> Let me look. <laughs> I am. Speaking of that, okay, Speaking tell that. us. So, yeah, last week you mentioned two coworkers that are showing interest. I've got a I coworker. I should have had that... them do a fantasy team. Oh, you should have. I wasn't even thinking. That's how I usually anyway, get my coworkers involved. And this year, big shout out to Edward, who jumped in as. Oh, he changed his name from Hitting the Cycle to, sorry, Here Comes the Froom. He has Lars Boom and Chris Froom on his team. Here Comes the so He was debating whether uh, <laughs> the Froom Boom team or oh, Here Comes the Froom. That's much clever. But he's enjoying it, and his main goal is to beat Baboon Pants. Baboon Pants, is that you? Oh, no. It's Barry G. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but... Uh, Barry, was... do you know who that is? Who that... Um, maybe. But what a great name! I mean, I love the names in the race. Um, who's in first? It's um. Oh, it's been Carrie Blanco Monkey. for a long time, but now. 
Yeah. Oh, she's real drop drop down. Oh yeah, no, she's in second. So it's Jack the monkey. John the monkey. Sorry. And I think Carrie's a dude. Is that actually John the monkey? Oh, I don't know. Monkey. Because there is. I mean, I follow someone whose name who's John the monkey. So I don't know if that's him or not. Because technically, John. I don't think they have a John equivalent in French. So I was late to the game and was going to pick a team and then go back and make changes. So I just threw in my guys and then then I went back to make changes and thought, you know, screw it. I'm going to leave them. (laughs) You are amazing. You are in one, two, three. Has got me some points. You are in fourth. So I'm just praying Greipel goes to Paris, but maybe not. Yeah. That'll be tough. Not to mention Iran, Iran. Rigoberto. You know. Yeah. So the tragedy oh, of this year's league. Yeah. Is that I'm not winning? Is that? <laughs> yes, and we have no Luke. Our no. Lantern Rouge of last year. I saw him in another league, and he is crushing it. He is way up there. He's got a great team. We clearly. Well, it was and he's my not playing. Because... He could be playing for the win this year, and he's not in our league. He does you know, no love for Luke. Uh no, I'm pretty sure that was my fault because I put the the lead together literally the day before the tour started. So <laughs> hey, dedicated people are in our league. I give them all credit. Well, I see that your wife joined. I'm assuming Team Tandem is t- is your wife. That is my wife. <laughs> she is almost Lantern Rouge. <laughs> She's trying. Her theory is I don't want to care too much, and I'm only picking guys I like. Oh, so let's see who she's got. Definitely not going for the win. Talansky and Hejadal, Rafa Micah. She fell in love with Rafa last year. For sure. Haven't heard much <laughs> from him this year. Maybe when they get into the mountains. Navarro, Kristoff. Although Kristoff has gotten her the most points. Oh, no. Sorry. Froome. Oh, yeah. Froome's her. Oh, so that was. Yeah. So she got done picking all her friends. Yeah. And then had 24 points left. And the most costly person was Froome at 24. So yeah. I said, you've got to pick him. Come on. <laughs> that is working out well. I mean, actually, no, it would be better if she didn't have room, then she would definitely be Lantern Rouge. <laughs> that, yeah, I messed that up. That was my fault. Yeah, it's okay. You didn't know. That's funny <laughs> that she it's her friend's team. But we're having fun, <laughs> and can- I will... Okay, I'm going to commit now because I haven't really decided yet, but I will get prizes for Winter and Lantern Rouge. You're much better about that than I am. I always forget. Oh, we got to reward our faithful listeners i agree our faithful listeners okay i i I, i'm i'm up down with that but as i will say all year every year at this point it's a long way to paris so long way and i will beat in paris (laughs) with all of your fantasy team yes uh okay that's your goal get a selfie with everybody on your team oh boy okay (laughs) wait who's on my team i don't even remember anymore let me look so last year it was the selfies on the course that were messing things up. This year when you watch the cameras following like a Chris Froome or somebody to the start, those guys mm-hmm. get stopped 40 times for, hey, can I take a picture with you? Yeah. That's so annoying. So annoying. Don't you just hate it when people would stop to take your picture all the time? Oh, so annoying. <laughs> um, okay, Nibali, Van Garderen, Quintana, Rodriguez, Bling. Tony Martin. Well, I can't get him because he's not even there anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although he has gotten me my most points. 
uh, Han- Adam Hansen, Cohen to Kurt. So I think you and I both have Adam Hansen, and he's hurt, so that sucks. Yeah. He hasn't got me any points. Bling hasn't got not had guys not got me any points. Adam Hansen, Cohen to Kurt, and then <laughs> I must have really been like, <laughs> I think I had four points left. I'm like, I don't know who to pick, so I picked Jack, Jans, Van. Rensburg. I think I just like closed my eyes and picked that one. <laughs> I like the name. Yeah. He hasn't got me points either. Anyway. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our episode for this week. And hopefully, I think we can be back next week. I don't have any. I think things are looking like we'll be back again next week. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. And we'll talk about the mountains. See what happens. Develops. In the mountains. So we've got a week of Pyrenees. Pyrenees. Yep. And then a week Everything the will change. Indeed. But it's been super Oof. fun so far. Thanks for yeah. listening. Thanks for keeping up with the race. And hopefully we can fill you in on a couple little things that you might have missed. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Blooming Cyclist. And I am C Fiddy, C underscore F I D D Y. Yes. And the palette. <laughs> The podcast is at Pelotonitis, if you want to follow us there as well. Sometimes I do live tweets if I am able to. Although, I should give you the password, Jeff, and let you live tweet if you can, too. You don't want that. Because maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Can't be any worse than me. No, I suck at live tweeting. I cannot do two (laughs) things at once. Uh, I do okay. Either I'm tweeting and I miss the race or I'm watching the race and I don't have time to that's tweet. true well and you're at a disadvantage because you're in california so the time differences are so weird so you have to wake up so early to see it anyway <laughs> i have been successfully right. late for work every day this week so that's good you have yeah good 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 <laughs> <laughs> well it's the that's... debate of do i leave before and get there and watch the finish at work or do i watch the finish yeah. and then race to work and i yeah. lose that race every day <laughs> sorry <laughs> your boss. lantern rouge yeah <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, we're finishing up. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Yay.